0: yes yes yeah he's a I'm talking to people that have a lot of experience in art and people that are just starting off there's he's somebody that I just connected with when I was taking a class on photography and I'd see him in the in the lab the photo lab and you know I feel like he's going to go places he has sort of that that thing you need in art if you want to make a living at it which is the ambition and people skills, and, you know. I mean, the last time I saw you was 40 years ago, 1977. You had a fro like this big. I did, yeah, that had that had to go. I walked into the Los Alamitos magic shop and um, this little chubby Japanese kid and this big glass thingies and the magic the magic pad, what do you call the...
1: Yeah, the close-up mat. Up close-up the, mat. Up on that table in the yeah. center. I can still see it. Beautiful light Spilling into that room, and yeah. yeah, that corner's still there. But that's you know, a Thai restaurant and a yogurt <laughs> shop now. But that that corner's still there, and yeah, I drive by and think about that place. Yeah, and I was and
0: and, and I was thinking about um, what you said to me yesterday about um, creativity. That you once put a precedent on
1: yourself to create a thing every day, and I thought that yeah, I went through and figured that out. So that was three years. So that was 365 times three. It's funny, when I uh, first, you know, the only social media I'm, that really attracts me is Twitter, which is how we reconnect. I know, yeah. And uh, what I like about that is the brevity of it, that it really forces you to condense the thought, the joke, the comment, the observation, the story you're going to share with someone mm-hmm. to, to something very concise, very distilled down. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, So that form appealed to me. And
0: uh, When you condensed, when uh, when you did was, this thing, when right, you created so, a thing... So I, the was, well, I,
1: was, I was, I'm sorry, I... Was, yeah, yeah. Uh, when there was, a, there was a time when, I don't know, maybe two years into it or something like that, um, it got boring for me. So
0: I... And that's the reason you did it, because... You needed to somehow.
1: Well, no, Twitter. Twitter I was try, trying Twitter. I don't know for two, three years, and oh, it oh. got boring for me. And you can okay. go back and look. Um, and I just kind of announced on Twitter, "See you in a year," and I marked it on the calendar and didn't think about it again. And literally to the day, didn't didn't look at it, didn't pick it up mm-hmm. again for a year. And I think those kinds of ridiculous, arbitrary. Uh, the water's perfect. Thank you so much. I think those kinds of uh, arbitrary intentional um, I don't know projects practices um, I think that stuff is useful to say you're going to do a thing and then do it mm-hmm. so another example of that and the reason I bring it up is I was thinking about wouldn't it be great to look back and have made a thing every day for, for a year and kind of have that and I wasn't really thinking about the difficulty. It's funny that I wasn't looking forward in that moment mm. of, a, of anticipating mm-hmm. it. I was imagining it was already done and what that was going to be like to look back and have, have done that. Interesting. Um, you know, to have more than a thousand things someplace. Um, you imagine the end before you began the task. I, just in that particular case, I was reflecting. That's not a regular practice. That's not the way I ordinarily do things. Uh, I fly a lot, so I'll sometimes do that on long trips. I will. I'll have a mental picture of okay, you know, 18 hours from now, I'm going to be in a hotel room <laughs> and be able to take my socks off and sit down. So right. I'll just. I'm going to send my brain to that moment now for a moment. And now look back, and now I'll just have whatever experience I'm going to have between now and then. Why do you
0: do that? Why do you think
1: about the hotel room when you're in the plane? uh, I I will often do that if I if I think the experience is going to be arduous in some way. (laughs) So you think about the end. Well, well, Uh uh, it's not thinking about the end. Mm -hmm. It's about um, playing that little game of telling your mind the story that. This is doable. You know, time travel can exist in our heads, Hmm. right? We can travel back in time and think about the first time you walked into that (laughs) magic shop, right? You just did that. You just time traveled. I did, yeah. And I can think about the end of this meal when we both have, you know, you have an empty bowl in front of you and I have an empty plate in front of myself. And we're walking out the front door and saying goodbye. And we can really send our... Themselves there mm. intellectually, right we yes. can s- synaptically construct that inside true. our heads that's true and, and sometimes that's useful to think you know when we're walking like if sometimes if i 'm consulting with other folks on a project i'll say so if i 'm going to work with a large group of people you know an audience of i don't know uh, about three weeks ago, I was in Vegas working with um, one of the medical divisions of Siemens, and I was an on stage presenter for them okay and months before that when i was talking to people that were going to put the meeting on so there were 4500 people in that meeting in one room in vegas that's a lot of that's a lot of bodies in one room yes especially when you're not going to be singing or dancing or showing them a movie right (laughs) to kind of hold their attention and have them thank Thank you. you right have them walk away with something in their heads right so what i do is i put everybody on that conference call into the future, and I say, okay, the meeting's over, everybody's walking out. Mm-hmm. If we were to interview people right now, what three things do you want them to have in their heads? Hmm. And this can be a fact, this can be a skill set, this can be a belief, right. this can be a, a, a place of trust. Because otherwise, why, why... Do you have it, a
0: plan when you go in?
1: Huh? Do you have a plan? Well, it, you know, it's if, if everybody... They already know they're going to pay to get everybody in that room. Okay. And I'm, I'm sure someone somewhere along the way thought that that was a good thing to do for a purpose. Not just because they do that every 12 months. Right. Someone, <laughs> someone thought, it's going to cost a couple million, but I think it's good because. And they might not have ever articulated that. Yes. So it's good for the whole group to get on the phone and, mm-hmm. and internalize and, and become aware of and pay attention to. hmm all of those pending realities and that the fact that if we kind of think about them and talk about them a little bit we stand a much better chance of having the dart hit the place on the target we want it to yes absolutely so that's why yeah you seem to be very
0: you seem to gravitate towards
1: spontaneity to me um yes I I do well I mean that's where I live right I live in spontaneity but I, I send my my uh, my brain's a boomerang right so I'll, <laughs> I'll throw that out to the uh-huh. future or throw that to the past or throw that to some alternative reality and, mm. and then it'll come back and mm. suggest some possibilities but yeah when we're creating wow. stuff we're always in the moment always always in the moment man this is exactly what I was hoping we'd be <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. you didn't know wishing wells was, was awesome. work, man <laughs>
0: sitting with Weber 40 years later.
1: Wow. But we did that yesterday on the phone call, right? It we was had wonderful. A, you yeah. had a, we had a conversation where you kind of explained what your expectations were and weren't and what the experience had been like in the past. And, right. And so you did that exactly. You're right. Right? Right, right. you're That's, right.
0: That's true. All right. Because I had no idea that we could actually make this happen. I mean, I, I didn't, you know, I've seen you in so long and, I was like a little kid last time I saw you and I don't know, those those perceptions still sort of live in you because it's you know literally the last time I saw you. But this is like um, I was telling somebody yesterday that this was really great. That I'm that you know so excited about this. <laughs> I really was. <laughs> this may be you know one of the all-time highs of this podcast thing. Aim low. <laughs> no. I'm kidding. <laughs> you were always that way. You know, you always had that... Um... Well, you said that you distilled things. You were good at distilling things. I,
1: I said I like distilling you liked things, distilling. and I, I, I try to distill things, mm-hmm. but, you know. I forget what her name is. Daisy. Uh, this is horrible. I'm going to quote lots of people and not remember their names. Oh. But the good thing is everybody can... Uh, Everybody can, everybody can duck, duck, go this, or or Bing it, or Google it. Yes. And uh DuckDuckGo is better because they. Uh, I worked for the Google guys before Google existed. I did oh. a lot. Of, I did a lot of work for uh, a venture capital company called um, uh, Buyers. Um, what was it, Frank? Oh man, I've been to his home a bunch of times. I'll think of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still big, but they were the people that put the money behind. Sergey Brin and uh, those guys. And I remember meeting them at a dinner in Aspen that I was working at that night, performing. Right. And uh, went, it went home and went on the very first Google page before anybody mm. went, knew what Google was. And I've got the emails of sending it around to folks. Mm. Um, I'm just not so thrilled about all the data harvesting that's going on right now when yes. we use a thing. I mean, it's always happened, right? Yes. When, when you used to go into the magic shop, yes, it's all about perspective. So when you used to go into the magic shop, one of our jobs was, and no one ever told us this, you just, if you cared, you did this. You remembered what you bought and what tricks you were working on and mm-hmm. what you looked at, right? So we were data harvesting back then. That's true. It was just a lot closer. It was a relationship. That's true. Right. And if you came Less in... Less mechanical. We might, we might ask you, yeah, well, we just, you know, it was whatever the storage capacity of our head was, right? Mm-hmm. And whatever our level of was. Mm-hmm. And probably you'd remember more for the big buyers than the small buyers, but if you had a relationship with a person, you'd remember things. Right, right. That was data harvesting.
0: You're right, that's true. I never thought of it in that. It's true. It's not a machine doing it.
1: No, but you know what? It, uh, it's still a company. It was, it was still to sell a person a thing. Yes, it was, it was absolutely. Still to, it was still to influence a future choice. Absolutely, that's true. Uh, uh, Callfield and Buyers. Um, can't remember what the first name. Three, three partners. Anyway, um, I, I, uh, cre- I self-diagnosed myself. I have something called um, manic degressive syndrome. Manic-depressive. Right. So That's I will. I will go off on many tangents and I love it. of one thing, but I. I'm pretty good about coming back to the main thread. So where that last aggression started was telling you about this quote from a, a woman choreographer, I think her name was Daisy and and I was suggesting people could look it up. I'll look right. it up later maybe. But she said, the thing she said was that really stayed with me, every dance is too long.
0: Hmm.
1: And hmm. if uh, you know, I I have reduced that as a as a practical action to when I'm when I'm building something or working on something with someone else. If it can be cut, it must be cut. Mm. And uh, the more brutal a- an editor we can be on the on the things we're making, the more like we were talking yesterday about the artist emerges when they're forced into a corner. Yes. It's you know that that the the strictness of that editing process really pushes you into the corner to fight for everything you're gonna leave in. Mm. Interesting. It's interesting. I mean, you know, as a photographer, yes, that I mean, a couple of things really fascinate me about. You know, I did photography in, in high, all throughout high school. Okay, I didn't know that. My dad did that as well. And when we knew each other, the guest bathroom at, at my house was a dark, dark room, room. Was a black and white dark room. Awesome. So, and I used to process my own code lift. I really liked yes. you know doing crazy. Yes. Uh, crazy prints it's really high contrast stuff with the codolith. Um, but everything has a frame hmm. right everything has an intellectual frame what the things we include and don't include in it when we're thinking about mm-hmm. it everything has a visual frame mm-hmm. and, and much of being an artist or a photographer or even mm-hmm. a performer or writer is deciding what to include in that frame right it's, right. it's as much about what you leave out choose to leave out or, or cut out or crop out as what you choose to leave in true and real artists do that in the moment mm-hmm. you know it's it's an easier process to do that later on with photoshop yes to take out the offending parts but right. if, we
0: try to get it in camera but
1: if yeah if you can do it in the moment mm-hmm. it's a right. it's a that is true you, and we're seeing mm-hmm. that right that's the thing mm-hmm. you see yes. yes i have a friend that's a really good photographer and he said something interesting he was talking about shooting uh, television but he's a he's also a 35 millimeter and a uh, large format, uh, negative photographer, and uh, he said it took him six or seven years to forget about the camera.
0: Yes. Yes. One of the greatest photography classes I took, this guy, Rob, um, the, the, he, we met on a Monday or something, it was like a night class, and he said, it was at college, and he said, I need you to bring a big uh, cloth next session so we're all photographers you know what kind rob you know black sheer what are we doing we're gonna put this over the lens he wouldn't say we said it just needed to be about this long and um, so we could show up to the next session with our cloth you know i'm sure we all agonized over what cloth to buy and then at the at the session we had our cloth met our camera and it was filmed and he said, okay, now take the cloth and fold it like this. And we folded this, and he says, now put it over your eyes. He goes, we're gonna go walk around campus and you're gonna take maybe the best picture you've ever taken in your life. It was just wild, it was just wild. You know, and in the end, after developing and printing and everything I did, there was one shot in it that was amazing. So like, I totally get in the way of my art. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know."
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, your pancakes, always good here. Okay. When I contacted you yesterday, I've always wanted to do the podcast while I'm eating. By the way. Um, <laughs> so. So,
1: so many. So distracting. So many notes, so many things for Phil. I know. It is. Um, it's like eating chocolate on Santa's lap. <laughs> Why did you want
0: to do this so quickly today? Why did you want to do me today? I mean, I'm, I'm all for this. This is kind of the way I work. Yeah,
1: I just, um, I'm very fortunate in that uh, I'm not at a loss for things to work on. There's, a, there's kind of an ebb and flow, but really kind of a, a build-up and then a surge of how, of how work occurs okay. for me or to me or, or around me. It just turns out that way. So things kind of re- build up. So I find I'm working on lots of things at a, at a comfortable pace. Yes. But there will be times where a lot of things come together yes. and I'm, you know not sleeping for two days to, mm. to finish lots of things up before I go on a trip or mm. or have to go work on another project. So when, <clears throat> when I see windows of calm or when I see something really building up, like the tail end of this week, Thursday I've got two, maybe three meetings in Los Angeles and then Friday I fly to San Francisco for the weekend and I've got yeah. one, two, three, four other writing projects. That have to get finished up. That are mostly done, but finished up between now and then. So, it was either going to be today, or maybe next week, or it might get pushed to three weeks. And, and then, my, you know, that boomerang brain. When you throw it out, <laughs> if you can't, if you can't see where it's going to land, mm-hmm. then right. I knew there was space today. Oh, I'm really grateful that you. Oh, it was nice to see you. Yeah. Uh, I thought, um, this, yes. you know, people always ask you what you do, and yes. it's,
0: uh... Ask, I ask questions, answer questions, tell stories, and make things. Yes, I remember this about...
1: So that's pretty much, mm-hmm. you know, everything I do is going to be one or, or more or all of those things. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. How wonderful to have that as your living, as the way you make, or what you do. I mean, yeah, what you do. Money aside, I mean, what a wonderful
1: way to use your time. It's, you know, some or or all of those things are what most folks do. That's just not the lens through which they see them. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I like this stuff. That's why I sat by the door. I wanted to hear the. I was hoping it was a squeaky door. <laughs> well, we got birds or something over here, so there's plenty of squeak. Somebody with a Swiss warbler up there. Oh, it's up there. There's a hole right there, so there's probably oh, a nest. Up they're outside. living up
0: there, huh? Yeah. So, um... Yeah, the um, you were saying you're telling me a story about um, not Rob Reiner, but Carl Reiner, mm-hmm. his dad, and how they was and Mal Brooks, right? There was an interview
1: on the radio. It was on NPR. I checked it yesterday, so if you go to the NPR site, you can find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were interviewing Carl Reiner. He in. Uh, He's, he's become a very prolific writer, and there's some great... He's got some great books. One of my favorites of his is called My Anecdotal Life. Hmm. And he just tells life stories, terrific hmm. life stories, about being discovered at the urinal on a, 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 hmm. of a Broadway theater. Mm-hmm. Um, crazy, crazy things. And... Uh, I forget which book had come out, a new, a new book had come out, and he was being interviewed on in NPR. And the interview asked him, uh, Tell us a little bit about the routines you used to do with Mel Brooks. Um, it seemed around the 2,000 year old man, and the, the premise of those was that Carl Reiner was a reporter, and he was interviewing Mel Brooks, who had been alive for 2,000 years. Uh, and he would ask him, you know, Who was the first guy to eat an artichoke he goes oh i knew him bob yeah i remember you know it was it was on a bet and uh we were all you know bob would eat anything you know bob was the first one to eat a crab bob was the first one to eat it a... so it would it would go on and on like that um and it's very funny and very inventive and and surprising and human and great it's still great listening to it um because these were routines they did probably in the 50s and very early 60s was the time of the 2,000-year-old man. This was a time where there were LPs, comedy albums, and this yes. would be a two-sided LP of yes. him interviewing him about religion and humanity and ethnicity mm-hmm. and men and women and religion and mm-hmm. everything. And the interviewer said to Carl Reiner, um, he was asking him, the very first time you two did that, you know was it written down or or was mm-hmm. it just spontaneous and Carl Reiner said you know that's an excellent question that no one's asked before because mm-hmm. the answer's kind of important and it was a valuable lesson to me uh, Reiner said the very first time we did it we had planned it out and I had written out questions and he had written out answers and we did it and he said it was a little funny because nothing Mel Brooks does is ever completely not funny but it wasn't great it didn't there was no sparkle, it didn't sizzle, it wasn't alive. And I knew it, and Mel knew it. So as soon as we were done, Mel got me over to the corner and said, Hey, the next time we do this, don't tell me anything. Just ask the craziest questions you can, and we'll go from there. And Ryan reported. He said, I did, and it was fantastic. It was otherworldly, and it was that good every time, every time after that. Rhino explained, that taught me an important lesson. And the lesson was... That Mel Brooks is a true artist and artists are at their best. Artists come alive when cornered. The way to get the most out of an artist or to provide them with the best setting or scenario is not giving them things, but cornering them. And being on stage with a lot of people that had purchased a ticket in these big theaters and throwing him crazy things from left field really cornering him with the most difficult, craziest things I could think of a, a real artist is going to fight for survival and that's what's going to bring all of their richest creative juices up to the surface yes. so for myself and on every project I've, I've worked on since I heard that and, and learned that lesson the, the greater the restrictions the, the more you can cut, the the harder the situation, the, the greater the demands are. Sometimes the scarcer the resources are yes. or the more precious the resources are, the, the better the work is. Because mm. It, it, mm. it's a way of calling up the, the artist.
0: Mm.
1: Wow. Do you suppose that has something to do with survival? Of course it's survival. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Mm. So some base.
1: It's core. It's... it's deep Hmm.
0: because we we, you know
1: everyone walks around now with a camera in their pocket right it's funny i haven't thought of this before but many many folks have in the last 15 years asked the question what do you think the uh how how has the internet and the Um, free flow of information and secrets affected the world of magic, which many people believe is is based on secrets. And secrets are an important part of it. It's not all of it, but Mm -hmm. it's an important part of it. Um, And it it just occurred to me that there's a great similarity in the effect of the Internet on the performance of magic uh, and digital photography and photography as an art form. And the reality is yeah. that just because it's easier for people to do it and there's lots of more people that have access to it, it's it's not producing an equal proportion of great work. No. no. In any way. Nope. Mm-mm. And I think now you might meet a kid, you might meet someone who's been only been doing it for three months, and they'll be able to tell you things about you know F stops, or yeah. or or lighting, or uh, you know, stepping down the speed, or, or mm-hmm. that might have taken someone else two or three years to learn okay. in the past, but that doesn't make the work any better. No, no. And it's because what advancing technologies never do is. Make up for the reduction of our human experience. Make up
0: for the reduction of our human experience, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, so flight time is flight time. That's part of that formula, that recipe.
0: Flight time is flight time.
1: Yeah, right. You know, if you if you don't know what you're doing, ten thousand hours is going to give you really deep, crappy habits. Yes. But if you're if you're aware and attentive while you're engaged in, in a practice, often there's gonna be those adjustments along the way that time time will help boil out a lot of the imperfections.
0: So the, um, the um, access to information doesn't, it's only part of the recipe, you still
1: need to process it. A funny thing about recipes, cooking recipes, yeah. Just a lot of people don't understand. It's it's and it's kind of simple. And I only understood it because of my experience in reading a magic effect and the instructions for performing it out of book, out of print. And yeah. Then trying to execute it. Learning. I used to do that. Yeah. It's never yeah. good the first time. <laughs> it's not. And a right. lot of people will only cook things once, and they expect it to be mm. cuisine quality. Mm. And it's you you've, you've got to cook a thing until you know it. That's a good point. That's true, yeah.
0: That's true, right. That is I cook and that is the truth. Yeah. yeah. So it's the process or the That's part of it. It's experience. Experience. Right. Yeah. yeah, that is true. I wondered about that with um, magic and the internet and if it had if the internet had an effect on
1: magic, but I I think the only... My only disappointment, and it's not a surprising disappointment, is that it's produced more people who each individually have access to greater amounts of information, but it hasn't produced um, more, or, or even as many, Quality performers, and and for me, magic is a performance art. Yes. So, yes. it's what it's really produced is more salespeople, hmm. more people who are producers of product. Hmm. And it's funny that people who get into magic, a, a large subset of those folks, have have something about them that's imitative. So they only want to do a trick if they've seen someone else do it. They're they're afraid to try something they've never seen anyone else yes. do before, which is why someone like Lance Burton, a dove magician, comes along sometime in the '80s, and then we have this remarkable outpouring of other dove magicians who look a lot like right. Lance Burton. But they don't He's take it any further. They don't well, they don't change go, it or they don't go in a dangerous place. They don't yeah. take any chances, right? Yeah. Was it Joseph Campbell said the treasure we seek is in the cave we fear most right so it's yeah. the that that's why yes that's why people don't make big breakthroughs is because they've learned what they're afraid of mm.